0: I just wanted to uh, give my thanks for the church in the park and all the help that it took to uh, accomplish it. It wasn't a um, small event. It's obviously, it takes a lot of people. Um, so we're just grateful for it. It was a great team. I don't think any one or two people were overly stressed that they had to do all of it to make it go. Uh, We had a great team of volunteers from the ones that planned it and organized it. You saw them on the stage as part of the service, and we had a lot of people help with the setup, um, the food, and just it takes a team to uh, pull off something like that, and then just to have a lot of people there was awesome, and just to see everyone there and just having a great time, and we plan to do that more often, and Um, just have a great time and just there's a lot of different ways you can do church and meet with the Lord and you can do that outside at a place where normally it's just about fun Uh, we claimed it for Jesus (laughs) and so had a great time doing that and so we're uh, thankful for all of you that participated and helped us to pull it off and so I just uh, bless you for that I want to welcome those that are joining us on the live stream uh, today, or in a few days, you're watching uh, the recording of this. We just pray uh, that you would um, just learn and grow with us, and we're thankful for you joining us today. As I've thought about uh, this message, actually, for quite a while, Uh, for quite a while, I've thought about Psalms 23 and how you can break each verse down. There's only six verses. It's very popular um, Bible reading. I think if if people never go to church, they know the 23rd Psalm um, from a lot of different, you know, a lot of different places that um, will use it as a commemoration or um, just all kinds of uh, places at weddings or funerals or at Um, all kinds of stuff we we read and know this psalm. And uh, I've thought about at different times when to share it, when to begin a series like this, and just feel like this is the time. And so the next six weeks or so, we're going to um, be kind of digging into each phrase and kind of breaking it down and learning. Uh, When I uh, became the pastor of this church, um, if you remember about a year ago, the leader of our state came and prayed over us and kind of, um, uh, I forget the name of the uh, commissioning service. I forget the name of the service. But anyway, so he gave a, gave me a shepherd staff. And uh, today's message isn't really gonna get into it, but in, in the next couple of weeks it will. But um, just as kind of a representation to show you, there's not any other occupation um, really in the world that would have a tool like this. It wasn't just a walking stick that they're like, oh, it'd be fun to have a hook on the end where we can beat people with it. <laughs> okay. But it has a purpose. There's a purpose to the hook and, and the point and, and the length and all that. And so we're going to kind of look at stuff like that just to see how... Um, just to see how um, all of that has a purpose and what lessons can be learned from it. And hopefully it doesn't fall and crack me on the head during my sermon. But (laughs) if it does, someone just come wake me up real quick. But just kidding. All right. There was a shepherd who owned many sheep and took good care of them in his pasture. However, not all the sheep took a liking to the plentiful feeding provided in the grassy sheepfold. One day, the shepherd noticed that one of his sheep was missing. Being a faithful shepherd, he scanned the fold for the sheep. Missing sheep was not an uncommon thing. Now and then, a renegade sheep would bolt the fold only to end up tangled in a bramble bush upside down or even worse. But this time... The shepherd did not have to go far to find the missing sheep. As he scanned the grassy yard, he noticed the sheep just on the other side of the fence. The sheep stood there nonchalantly, just looking at the shepherd. He wasn't running, wasn't moving, wasn't struggling or hurt, just standing there by the fence. So being a reliable shepherd and knowing that it was that sheep's first escapade, he gently moved the erring sheep back into the lush barnyard and reminded it of what it already knew, that there was plenty of good eating inside the fold. The next day, when the shepherd awoke to feed the flock, he noticed that the same sheep was missing. Sure enough, there it was, standing in the same place on the other side of the fence. It looked at him, he looked at it, It didn't move, uh, but stood there again, nonchalant and unhurt. Since the sheep was full grown, the shepherd couldn't quite figure out how it was getting out. So he brought it back in again. The next day, the shepherd observed the same full grown sheep in the act. Like a snake, it was slithering on the ground, the sheep was straining to flatten itself and slink underneath the few-inch barbed wire fence. He noticed the sheep exerted great effort throughout the laborious process, lowering its body, wiggling its way under the wire, and crawling inch by inch until finally it emerged on the other side of the fence. It took far more effort, to snake under the few inches between the barbed wire and the ground than it did to humbly integrate into the flock. For days, the sheep did the same thing. And interestingly, it never ran away. It always stood just on the other side of the fence. It loved to crawl under the fence and just stand there, always near the sheepfold, but never in the sheepfold the droid crooper they called it, uh, which is an African word meaning fence crawler. This sheep gives a great lesson to all of us and uh, kind of the, what we're going to learn throughout these six weeks, we're going to learn from sheep's behavior and how it pertains to our Christian walk. And this sheep uh, there's a few different lessons that we could learn. It was ornery and wanted what was on the other side of the fence that really was more dangerous than what was in the fence. And the shepherd wanted to protect that sheep and knew what's best for that sheep. But that sheep would do everything it could just to be see what's over there. The grass is always greener on the other side, right? And so one of the uh, more famous... Uh, quotes or or verses in the Bible, Isaiah 53, 6. It says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray, each one to uh, wander off to his own way. And that verse goes on to be a prophecy about Jesus laying down his life for his people, but it's one of the um, several times that God's people, us as believers, are uh, related to as sheep that we've all been like this one sheep, that God is there and he's uh, done everything for us and we just kind of wander off and we've gone astray and he's bringing us back into his fold. I've named this um, series Our Lord, Our Shepherd because my goal is for us to uh, learn from the shepherd. He is our shepherd Jesus is our shepherd, and we need to make him Lord and make him our shepherd. And what's that mean? We're going to look at that today. Just want to introduce the the Psalm 23 in general. Life is a journey that each one of us uh, could share uh, all about our journey through life. We could start out where we were born. Uh, I was born in San Diego, California, in a And Balboa Military Hospital, a Navy hospital, and some of you could respond back that you were born in California, or you were in the military, or you were born into that lifestyle. One cool fact about it, I wasn't a military brat, not that I'm not a brat, I probably am, according to my family. But anyway, I stayed, I lived in the same house. The whole nine years that I was uh, in the military housing under my uh, while my dad was in the military, we didn't get moved around a lot. He moved around before I was born. But in the neighborhood that I grew up at, it was in Navy housing, and each house to live there, you had to have two or more children. So if you could imagine... 20 houses or more in the neighborhood in that block and they all had at least two kids so we could go outside at any given time of day and there was always someone to play with Um, a lot of times in the uh, afternoon and evenings we there would be a hundred kids out there it seemed like Um, just a lot of things happening and just a lot of fun uh, a lot of good memories of that we could share about how we were raised, where we were raised, what uh, what our family did. My family moved to Spokane, Washington when my dad retired from the Navy. I was nine years old. Uh, they've lived there ever since. I was raised in church, and some of you can relate to the different areas and different ways in which I was raised, and we could have a good time uh, kind of going back and forth and all about uh, our life and what's been happening and how, you know, we've got to this point, right? Choices and decisions take us down various paths to where all of us have ended up in this room on September 3rd, 2023, right, at this moment. And soon, someone will move away and others will move in Or something will happen and life's journey continues to go on. King David wrote many psalms about his life. He had quite the journey just as you and I have. If you would have told nine-year-old me, who was uh, standing on the sidewalk of 2282 Oliver Avenue, I don't know how I still remember my address, but... um, As we were saying goodbye to friends and I had to give away my puppy, uh, that turns out it it apparently wasn't mine. I thought it was mine, but we were watching this puppy for 10 years of our life while this other family was gone. So I was standing there giving away our dog, loading up uh, to move all the way up to uh, Spokane, Washington. If someone would have told that little guy that one day you're gonna live in a small town in North Dakota, I would have said, "What's North Dakota? <laughs> or is there a Disneyland? Uh, we lived right next to Disneyland. I was gonna—I I found our my house on the map, and I was gonna try to show you a picture. We literally live right on the ocean. Um, I could go to the corner of our block, and you could look out and see." nothing. There was, we talk about barbed wire fence, there was a fence around the uh, Navy housing so we couldn't just walk to the beach or whatever, but um, we were literally right on the edge of the United States looking out towards nothing but ocean and it was a really fun time, but we were also really close to Disneyland, the San Diego Zoo, Wild Animal Park, SeaWorld, all of those things. And when I got to Spokane, Washington, I thought it was a big city, and they have no Disneyland either, no zoo. Um, They do have a small amusement park, but it's like an hour away anyway. So um, I'm not disappointed living in uh, Carrington without a Disneyland, because I was disappointed in Spokane not having a Disneyland when I moved there. Anyway, but life moves on. Life is a journey david writes this psalm later on in his life after he has become king Uh, if you remember david worked as a shepherd when he was younger and charles spurgeon a a famous um, pastor said of this psalm i like to recall the fact that this psalm was written by david probably when he was a king he had been a shepherd and he was not ashamed of his former occupation. In biblical times, and we study that in in the, we see it in the Christmas story, that the shepherds were kind of the low social class, right? But they weren't bad. It wasn't bad to be a shepherd. In fact, David learned a lot from it, and he wasn't ashamed uh, to recall that and write several different Psalms that include images and analogies to his shepherd life. And so, this is kind of his main one. He's not ashamed to share what he's learned as a shepherd and how it pertains to God and the spiritual truths that are found there that he writes about. And so, the 23rd, so we're going to learn and grow from uh, these truths that he wrote about. So, the 23rd psalm is often memorized, it's often read at funerals, commemorating a life and bringing comfort to the grieving. It is a hymn of reflection. It's a declaration of spiritual truths. I would like us to read it together, and in these uh, short six verses, we will discover deep, deep spiritual truths that we're going to learn about in the coming weeks on the screen if you'll uh, read along with me. This is uh, the New American Standard uh, Bible version. Sometimes I uh, have you read or put up there from the New International Version. Um, But I think uh, most of us, if we've memorized it, have come uh, from this. um, This is more like the King James uh, Version that we've all probably memorized and heard it read from. So let's read it together, will you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all of the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Man, isn't that a powerful uh, uh, scripture? And it's, it's amazing, and there's a lot of deep truths, and, and um, we're going to break each one down. Um, he touches on various circumstances of life. I was going to write the various stages of life. He doesn't really talk through the stages of life, but different circumstances um, that we go through, um, and he uh, speaks to that. And whether we're in good times or hard times and he kind of speaks to to those things and we're gonna learn that the shepherd is always with us. The shepherd uh, never leaves us, he's always with us. When we declare uh, God as our shepherd, when we say the Lord is our shepherd, we realize that he is everything that we need, that we lack nothing. When the Lord is our shepherd, he gives us rest. When the Lord is our shepherd, he restores our soul. When the Lord is our shepherd, he leads us. When the Lord is our shepherd, we need not fear. He is with us. When the Lord is our shepherd... We will live with him forever. These are the six um, topics of the next several weeks that we're going to dive into. As we have read these, how many of you would say, man, I need to learn to rest, Okay. Uh, And notice that God doesn't mean for us to stay in our rest. He's not telling you that you never have to do anything more if you would just lay down in green pastures for the rest of your days. No, God has a purpose and a mission for each of us. But we need to learn to rest at times, if we're always go, 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 even the greatest uh, missionary or evangelist or pastor that just goes, goes, goes is going to get burned out and be, become less effective. We need to learn to rest. He restores our soul. How many would say, man, I, my soul needs Restored. Okay? Or, and I don't want to fear. Maybe there's something when we say uh, we need not fear, there's something in our life that we fear. Okay? So in the next several weeks, we're going to look at each of these, and I pray that you will grow in these areas to be the best sheep that you can be. Everybody say, ba. <laughs> I didn't think you would, but instead of saying amen, we'll say, bah. Okay? All right, so the first phrase we're going to get into, the Lord is my shepherd, and we're going to pause right there. We didn't get very far into the psalm before stopping. Yes, we're going to stop and take a moment to kind of break down this statement. The Lord is my shepherd. It's not just an introductory to this amazing poem or song, but it's a statement that we need to make, that when we do, then everything that follows is going to become big in our life and we're going to learn and grow from these principles. Who is the subject in this phrase? I don't know if I have any English teachers, but when we use the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, who is the subject in this phrase? The Lord, right? God. And what's his title? I don't know if that would be a pronoun because I was terrible at English, but uh, what's the Lord or God's title in this? Shepherd, right? Okay, and whose shepherd is he? Mine. Thank you. I'm glad you all spoke up on that one because that's huge. That's big, okay? The relationship Described is between who, the Lord and me, the Shepherd and me, me and God. So that makes us sheep. That's why we made the joke of saying back, okay? We as believers are described as sheep again by David in Psalms one hundred, verse three, and also by Jesus. In John uh, chapter 10, and there's other places too. Peter um, in 1 Peter 5, I think it is. um, Other Psalms. There's just several different places in the word where um, the analogy is used. And as we are followers of Christ, sheep are followers of the shepherd. So before we get into the characteristics of what the shepherd does... First, I want to look at the responsibilities of the sheep. Before the good shepherd can provide for us, can feed us or give us rest, we must follow him. He cannot lead us if we are not willing to follow I put that in bold. I put it in an underline. I don't know if God was just speaking to me about it, um, but I think it's to encourage you guys as well that she, as sheep, we must follow him. And he can't lead us if we're gonna keep climbing under the fence and doing our own thing, right? And then coming back and say, well, God, I thought you were gonna always be with me. If we're the ones climbing away, if we're not allowing him uh, to lead us, he can't do it. He cannot lead us if we're not willing to follow. Some of these responsibilities of the sheep, three of them, and they're up there to help you follow with me. First, the responsibility is to submit. And that 's sometimes hard for us as humans, right just as people to be submissive. Sheep are meek and timid creatures. they rarely uh, survive on their own, um, unable to protect themselves they don't really have a, a great um, any um, sh- uh, you know part of their body or characteristic or whatever that causes them to be good at defending themselves. They don't have uh, horns. They don't have, you know, claws. They don't have the protective features that other animals may have. They thrive with a shepherd. A sheep that lives entirely by its shepherd's help, protection, and care will thrive. And we must submit to his leading. It takes humility. We must recognize in ourselves that we cannot survive on our own. It takes meekness. And sometimes when I hear the word meek or, or meekness, it sounds too close to being weak or a weakness. And so we feel like, well, meek must mean, you know, you're, you're weak and you can't do anything on your own. No, that's not what that means. Being meek is having a gentleness of spirit. It's a disposition of ourself in which we accept God's dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. We're recognizing that uh, we're gonna put ourselves in um, under God's leadership and allow him to deal with us and that it's gonna be good, even though sometimes... You know, it might hurt or not be uh, what we think is good for us. I guess we could say it that way. We're going to submit to the Lord. We need to let the good shepherd shepherd us. I was trying to find the song. I I know there's an old song um, that one line of it says, shepherd, come shepherd me, lead me, help me, but we have to be submissive to him and allow him to shepherd us. You get that? So submit. The second uh, responsibility of the sheep is to stay. Stay. Similar to submitting is that the sheep need to stay with the flock. I don't know a lot about sheep, but I know that they're dumb and (laughs) and uh, they don't do much on their own they tend to wander off, and when they wander off, they can't find their way back. They just keep walking and going, <laughs> right? And they're not smart enough to remember where the flock is, and, and they suddenly, they'll find themselves in danger. One, in, one, in fact, one of the earliest references, and I quoted it earlier, to us being like sheep is found in Isaiah 53, 6, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone has turned uh, to his own way. Isaiah goes on prophesying that Jesus' death um, would save us. Then Jesus, in John chapter 10, describes himself as the good shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep. So we've gone astray, but Jesus has laid down his life to rescue us, to come and find us. Another one is how he... um, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I keep quoting things ahead of myself. When we wander away from God, we put ourselves in danger. But as a good shepherd, he will leave the 99 to search for the one. In Luke chapter 15, verse 4, when he's talking about the prodigal son and the lost coin, he talks about the lost sheep, that Jesus is the good shepherd who would go after the one, and we are that one that he's gone after, okay? But it's not wise of us to just continue to run astray thinking, well, my shepherd will come and get me, okay? We can't test him like that because there's another one out there that's prowling around looking for lost sheep. So not only is the good shepherd looking for you, but the enemy is looking for you. And 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says that he's out there prowling around looking for someone to devour. He's looking for a sheep that's lost and he's going to devour them. And it's obviously talking about the enemy, the devil, right? We must stay near our shepherd. And third is, pro- is a very powerful uh, responsibility, and we could uh, do some teachings just on this um, principle alone, but we need to recognize the shepherd's voice. Sheep know their shepherd. We must know our shepherd. Jesus tells a parable in John 10 about the good shepherd. And I'm not going to read the whole entire chapter, but you should someday. Um, but Jesus is teaching that false teachers are going to come. Okay, and, and they're going to try to lead the sheep astray. The sheep will flee because they don't know and they don't recognize that stranger's voice. The good shepherd will lead his sheep away from danger and they will follow the good shepherd because they know his voice. Verse 10 of John 10 is the famous one that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The stranger that comes to the flock only comes to take the sheep and to destroy them. In our life, the thief here is our enemy, the devil, who comes to try and uh, take us out, to try to destroy us. He spews lies and condemnation. And it's of utmost importance that we know so we can recognize our good shepherd's voice. Pay no attention um, to the lies of the enemy. Pay close attention to the good shepherd. The enemy is going to condemn you for your past, he's going to bring up the things that you've done wrong, and he's going to constantly uh, try to get you uh, to stray away from the Lord, the good shepherd. The good shepherd, uh, our God, when we've asked forgiveness, when we've repented of our ways, God never remembers those again. So when lies come up in your mind and your thoughts of what you've done in the past that should try to get you away uh, from the Lord and away from the shepherd, you should know God is not going to condemn you and bring those things up. That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the stranger and you need to run from that. Stay with the good shepherd. Learn his voice. George Wood, it was uh, uh, he's passed away now, but uh, he was the superintendent of the assemblies of God for the entire world. And he wrote a book about all of the Psalms and in the one about Psalms 23, I'll give you a couple quotes of his, but pertaining to this moment, When the Lord is my shepherd, he personally interfaces with my life in the occupational role of shepherd, provider, guider, protector, healer, keeper, shearer, searcher, nurturer, and defender. When we declare the Lord our shepherd, when we stay close to him, When we know his voice, we get all of the benefits of being part of his flock. All of these things that a shepherd does will be done to us, for us, right? When the Lord is our shepherd. The second phrase, uh, part of this verse, is I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want want. What is implied here is I have everything that I need. So some versions of the Bible will say it that way. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. Our shepherd provides for all our needs. We may not have everything that we want, but we have everything that we need. Another uh, line from George Wood says, Our appetites and our thirst for happiness, for plenty, for health, fulfilling relationships and things may prompt us to say, I want, I must have, I cannot do without. But only the good shepherd, however, can meet our deepest needs. Did you know that two of the most famous verses in the Bible that people will often quote, we're based on this lesson. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And the other one, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We often will quote those and um, maybe a little bit you know, out of context, you hear a lot of athletes will say, I can do all things through Christ, but really, what God, is, what, what God is getting at in teaching us these is Jesus promised that um, when he was teaching about not to be anxious, not to worry, that God will supply our needs. That's found in Matthew 6, 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And in verse 28, he says, And why are you worrying about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is uh, thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, What will I eat? What will I drink? Uh, What will I wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we seek God, when we follow the shepherd, when we submit to him, all of these things, uh, all our material, physical needs, as well as our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, God will provide all of them. And then in uh, Philippians 4, verse 11, Paul writes, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and also suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Okay? Paul is saying that famous verse in connection to his attitude towards he doesn't need anything. God has everything that he needs. And he's learned in, in abundance when he's seen that he uh, has you know, an abundance in his life or when he's set, been um, in want or in need of uh, material things or physical things. He's learned to be content. And the attitude of of having the attitude that God is in control. He's my shepherd. He's going to provide for me. It all comes back to our dependence upon God. And declaring that the Lord is our shepherd. And then submitting ourselves to him. Worship team, if you would come, we'll uh, close the service. Being content in our situation. The needs uh, that God is going to supply, the needs that He supplies, are for every part of our life. There's people um, hungry that God provides for. There's people um, that we would say, man, they have everything that they would ever need. They could go out and buy whatever, (laughs) right? Whatever they. Come up with it, they need they can just go and buy it. They don't have any wants or needs. But they have emotional or spiritual things going on in their life that they're struggling with, and God is the provider of all of those things. We need to submit to him. Would you stand with me as we close this morning?